Sometimes, I mean, I'm blessed by this book all the time. Sometimes it blows my mind. And uh, today's one of those days where I just, I felt like my mind's been blown by the Word of God as I looked into it this week as we're tracking along the lines of, pros- of prosperity, 40 days of, of prospering. We stepped into that last week as we believe there's 40 days between now and the head of the year where God gives us 40 days every year on His calendar, intentional appointed times to find traction and move spiritually toward the Lord. This is the time of year where it says, if you'll draw nigh to God, God will draw near to you. This is when the king is in the field. And this is that time where God is very present, a very help, if you will, in our atmosphere. And so it's a very, very important, very interesting time on the biblical calendar. If you don't know much about that, we can, there's things online that you can go on and learn from us that we've gleaned from God's cycles, God's timings. But today I find it very interesting that I felt like God showed me that he has actually got a plan in this book to end all financial concerns. Now, I don't know about you, but let's just take a minute and see if we've got the right crew. Is there anybody here today that has any financial concerns? Lord, have mercy. Look at Matthew 6, 25 with me. And here's where we start, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to go as quick. It's one of those days I felt like if I could just speak in tongues for 10 minutes and you get it and we'll go home. You know what I mean? It's, it's all in here, and I'm just trying to make sure it gets out. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. I say to you, do not worry about your life. And he, he, in other words, do not worry. Do not worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what these things in your life. Your Father knows you have need of these things, right? You know that passage of Scripture. And He ends up with saying this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is where I want to talk with you about just for a few moments today. Seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, and it says all these things actually shall be added unto you. The key for us is what is righteousness? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Actually, what is righteousness? Well, in a Greek mindset, righteousness is right standing with God. You know, that, that concept of we've been made right with God. And that is part of it. But the true Hebraic understand, understanding is zedakah or zedekah, which is a term used for the way God's people or Hebrews lived and handled their money. Righteousness, zedekah in Hebrew, is the way God instructed His children to live. Why? God's plan always from the beginning was to have a people in the earth who were so blessed. Listen to me now. A people in the earth that they were so blessed that not only all their needs were being met, but they could partner with God and tikkun alam or be a part of repairing the whole world for the Messiah to come back to. So when I'm talking about prosperity and blessings, I'm not talking about just just getting richer so we can buy more stuff and bigger stuff. I'm talking about us getting to a place where we've got enough and we've got an abundance so that we can live righteous, sedekah lives in the earth, helping God repair the whole world. People say, oh my God, it's one of those money messages. Lord, Lord have mercy. You know what Lord have mercy means, right? Money only matters if we're going to change the world. 
Money only matters if we want to change the world. Money only matters if we want to make sure people drink clean water. Money only matters if we want people to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ on every corner of the earth. Money only matters if we care about children that are starving to death, 26,000 that will die this month here around the world. Money only matters if we want to make a difference. But unfortunately, most of us in the Western culture are so consumed with stuff and we consume all our stuff, we're all in financial difficulties. Did you know the average American is $135,000 in debt? Average American. Large portion of that's normally toward a home, but then they have an average of about $16,000 of credit card debt and about $20,000 of car debt. And they've got $1,000 in savings. Lord have mercy. But God never intended for us to live that way. God wanted us blessed so we could be a blessing. Now, here's, where, here's why this inspired me. Uh, my wife and I, my wife writes for the Aniston Star. If y'all have ever read her column in the Aniston Star in the faith section, they give her the hardest questions every time, I, I feel like. But she is a great uh, writer and does a great job in the Aniston Star. And we were contacted by the Aniston Star, and a professor visited us from the University of Pennsylvania who's Jewish. And we've spent the last few days with her as she's traveled all over Alabama. She was sent here by the university to study and find out what does it actually mean to be evangelical or born again. Because they believe it's become such a political term that nobody really knows what that means anymore. And so she had staggering data that she was gathering and we felt led to help her. And so I arranged meetings with her with pastors and evangelicals and she got a good spectrum. But here's what stunned me. She was in our service last week unknowingly to us and she loved it because we were blowing the shofars and she's like I thought I was at home with the Jews you know and she's like (laughs) she told me something that staggered me she said Kent she said I visited I think she said 56 churches and I've been in their service she said your church was the first Christian service that I attended in Alabama where it was ever mentioned caring for somebody outside the church She said, I've been in 56 of them, and not one time did they mention caring for somebody outside the church. It was always trying to get the people in the church better or get them more right or get them to a place called heaven. She said, but I didn't hear one message or one thought on maybe we should be considering somebody outside the Christian circle, outside the church, those less fortunate especially, or serving the poor. She says, you know, as a Jew... Our whole mentality is we're supposed to be partnering with God to repair the world and make the world a better place. And I said, I threw a little Hebrew on her. I said, I know, Takun Elam. She was like, oh my God. I was like, Lord have mercy. So God, God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous and he's given us the plan. Let me jump into it. And, and, I, and I'll just try to get it to you like, you got, like, you, like it came to me. So, Zedaka. Somebody say Zedaka. Say it again. Zedaka. Zedaka means righteousness, justice, and generosity. There is no word in Hebrew for charity. That doesn't exist. Because the Hebrew, Hebrew mind, Hebraic mindset doesn't believe in charity. They believe in justice. 
They, they believe when you serve the poor, you're not doing them charity. You're doing justice. You're an agent from God on His behalf, dis- distributing justice from God to them. And so we feel good about our charity, but the Hebraic mindset would never think about that as charity. It's justice. Zedekah. Touch two people again and say, I'm about to Zedekah you here in the name of Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's go quick. Malachi 3. Y'all know this one. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes. Somebody shout tithes. Tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there won't be room enough to receive. Now, if you reread this and understand it, I want to see if I can bring some clarification. Number one, God doesn't curse people. So when it says you've cursed with a curse, actually you've cursed yourself. Because it says, and God's speaking, got to know who he's speaking to. He's speaking to a group of, of Hebrews that have come out of exile, come out of Babylon. They're coming back into the promised land. And God says, comes to him. and he says, look, here's the problem. You've moved away from my ordinances. In other words, my appointed way of doing business, doing things. You've moved away from my appointed times. You've moved away from my appointed ways of righteousness. And because of that, you've cursed yourself with a curse. But return back to me. And begin to live like I've instructed you to live. And your life will look like this. It will be as if. Because how many of you know the heavens don't have windows? And how many of you know they don't really open up and pour out stuff unless it's rain? So God's saying, if you will get, if you will get back to my ordinances, your life will look like this. It will look like someone who is literally living under an open heaven that's receiving so many blessings that they don't even know what to do with them. And actually, I'm also rebuking the devourer for your sake. What is the devourer? Debt. Interest. We, most of us Americans, we're living paying somebody else. God says, if you get back to my ordinances the way I showed you to live, you're going to get blessed. Now, this is where, it, this is when. Leviticus 19. God says, when you go to the place that I'm going to give you as a harvest in the land, make sure that you don't reap the corners of it. Nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and stranger, for I am the Lord your God. God says, I'm going to give you land, and it's a square of land, but I want you to live in it in a circle. Why? Because I want you to have four corners of margin. So that you're not consuming everything I gave you. And if you can get away from consuming everything I gave you, I'm going to show you how I can not only get you blessed, but get you so wealthy that you're not only able to live righteously, but you can begin to act righteous. Look out. Deuteronomy 14 explains these four corners. Let me explain them to you real quick. I'm going to call them the four principles. If you want to check me out, you theologians, check me out. Deuteronomy 14. Explains the tithes. It's not tithe. It's tithes. T 
Touch your neighbor and say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, I'm struggling with the one. I don't know if I'm going to get it with the other ones. God is so wise. Number one, first thing God says if you want to live a life of no financial worries, here's what you do. Number one, honor me first, which is called teruma. Teruma is the name of the first offering which is to be given to God. It's a high and holy offering. Somebody shout, holy teruma. There we go. It was the smallest, and it's 2.5% or a 40th, but its significance was it sanctified or made all other tithes and offerings holy. It's called teruma. Romans eleven sixteen says, if the first fruit is holy, then the whole lump is holy. Isn't it interesting in God's economy, he would say the very smallest thing is what sanctifies everything. Why? He didn't want anybody missing out on it. A teruma is only a 40th. It's two and a half, it's two cent on a dollar. Anybody can teruma, and God knows that. Anybody can sacrifice enough to teruma. It was just the very first blade that popped up in your field. You just got that, and you gave that to the Lord, and it sanctified the whole field. Now, how was it to be given? It was to be lifted up and placed in the priest's hands. And when it was lifted up, it was, to, it was called holy. And when it was placed in the priest's hands, it was sanctified. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Jesus is our first fruits. Afterward, those who are in Christ that is coming. I've got good news for you today. I can guarantee you, you're going to get resurrected. Touch two people say, that's good news. I'm I'm, you're going, when you die... You will get resurrected. You're not going to get resurrected because you're good. You're not going to get resurrected because you're right. You're going to get resurrected because the first got resurrected and it sanctified the whole lump. Isn't this interesting? Here was the way it was presented. Put it in the priest's hands. Lift it high, put it in the priest's hands. What did Jesus say? If I be lifted high into your hands, I commit my spirit. And became the teruma. When you give a teruma to the Lord, this is the first way to give. It sanctifies everything else. This is the most important. That's why, now think about this. That's why the Bible says if you're faithful with a little, God will, make, God will give you and trust you with a much. This is where it says if your eye be generous, your whole body shall be full of light. Because they were arguing over the teruma. They were saying, is it a 40th, a 50th, or a 60th? This is like trying to split a penny. And Jesus saw them doing that, and he said, if you're trying to split a penny, then your whole eye's dark. This teruma is so important. It's the first and the best. It's the first and the most significant because it sanctifies everything. Moving quickly, number two. This is all in Deuteronomy 14. The principle of the lesser is blessed by the greater. This is called the Lord's tithe. The Lord's tithe. Find it in Genesis 14. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God the Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tithe, means a tenth, of everything. Now this is where it gets really cool. Melchizedek had no lineage. He wasn't from a tribe. Nobody knew when or where he was born. They didn't know anything about him other than he appeared. 
with bread and wine. <laughs> Somehow, he was recognized as Melchizedek. You know what that name means? Melchizedek. Melech, God, King, Melech, Melech, Sedak, King of Righteousness. He had given Abraham the spoils of the war, and now he appears to Abraham and blesses Abraham. And he says something like this, Blessed are you, Abraham, possessor. Not God is possessor, Abraham is possessor. Blessed are you, Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, most high. Elohim, Elion, the most high God, the legitimate God, the righteous king. Abraham, read it. Go on and read it. You know what Abraham said? There, Abraham said, hang on a minute, because those people he defeated were trying to give him stuff. He said, I don't want any of your stuff. He, they said, why not? He said, I don't want you to ever say you made me rich. I'm trusting the legitimate king of righteousness. Because the word tithe is maser, which comes from aser, which means to be rich. The tithe was never meant to get you sanctified and blessed. The first fruits was. The tithe was made to make you rich. Let me talk to the non-religious people a minute because those of you that don't think rich is, rich is righteousness. Now I know some of your thoughts, you know, oh Lord, I can't be rich, I'd wind up in the Bahamas drunk. Well, not forever. Come on. You find your way back. Well, here, might be fun for a couple of days, but anyway, you get, well, you get back. Jesus said, if I can't trust you with mammon and those kind of riches, how am I going to trust you with true riches, which is the anointing of the Holy Ghost? So here's what happened. Read, read it. It's in there. So Abraham says, I'm going to give you a Taiwan. There was a principle in that culture. The lesser was blessed by the greater, and the lesser gave to the greater to remain blessed. He said, I'll give you a tithe of everything because I don't want anybody else to say they made me rich because the king of righteousness, Sedekah, Sedekah, righteousness, king of righteousness, Sedekah. Once you get a revelation that Jesus is Sedekah, what does that mean? He's only out to do justice. He's only out to do what's right. He's only out to do what's good by you. If you realize he's Sedekah, he's righteous and is going to do blessed, righteous, just things for you, then you become Sedekah once you get that revelation. And now not only are you righteous, you begin to act. Because Genesis 15, he cuts covenant with Abraham. Now let me just go ahead and say this. The tithe is not for everybody. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> the tithe is not for everybody. The tithe is only for the mature. Reread Hebrews 5. It says strong meat just belongs to the mature, but milk is for babes. It's okay to be immature for a while in the Lord and not tithe. But once you get a revelation... And you say, wait a minute, I'm just not saved. I'm not just saved from hell. I'm not just at that level. of. I'm at the level where I don't want to just be saved from something. I got a revelation. I was saved for something. Wait a minute now. I got a revelation. I'm supposed to be living in covenant with God. I'm supposed to be one of God's heirs and heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to be blessed coming in. I'm supposed to be blessed going out. Now you cut covenant with God through the tithe. 
Because it's an act of faith. Most of you can't live on 100%. How are you going to live on 90? But it's the, it's, it's the principle. So you start with Taruma. Isn't that good news? That's how you just get started. But then what happens through Taruma, you get a revelation. Once you give a revelation, you start moving toward the tithe. This is what got exciting. There's another tithe. This blew my mind. You know whose tithe it is? It's your tithe. Deuteronomy 14 says it. Put it up. Third, no, third principle, I'm sorry. It's your tithe, my tithe. How wise is God? God said, not only are you give God a his tithe, but then I want you to tithe to yourself. 10%. Why God said, I don't want you to be broke when you're 65, trying to live on Social Security. Isn't God wise? God said, to rob me is not just to not pay my tithe. To rob me is to not pay your tithe. Because if you're not paying, God's just as interested as his, with his house. He's just as interested with your house and what's going on in, my God. No, nobody ever taught me this. I got a hold of Melchizedek. <laughs> Pay yourself a tithe, 10%. That's Matthew 25, where Jesus is teaching on righteousness. And it's the stewardship principle. You remember it? He said he gave one five talents, one four, one three, something like that, and one one. And the one that had the one went and hid it. And Jesus comes back and said, what in the world's going on here? Let me put that scripture back up. Everyone who has more will be given. And he'll have an abundance. What's that talking about? Compound interest. I'll be back. Y'all like, God couldn't be concerned about compound interest. Oh yeah, he is. He told these, and he said, at least you could have put your one talent in the bank. That's the least you could have done with it. So when I came back, you would have had a reward on what I had given you. See, people don't realize you're a steward of God. A stewardship. God wants you blessed. And it says, if you have, in other words, instead of working for your money, your money starts working for you. People say, well, that's okay for rich people. I just read a book about a, a, a man that was writing, it, it's, it's called The Slight Edge, and he talks about compound interest. He went to visit his mama, who was a librarian, and her dad worked for the city maintenance. They made about $50,000, $60,000 total together. He said, Mama, just, she was about 60, 65, so I need to make sure you're okay financially. Her, his dad had passed away. She said, I think I'm okay. He said, how much money you got? She said, I think about two and a half million. He's like, well, you a drug dealer, and I didn't know about it. I mean, like, what? Two and a half million. She said, yeah. He said, how does that happen? She said, well, the day your, mom, your dad and I got married, we started putting a certain amount of money back every week. And we did it every week, all of our lives. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And now, that's how much money I got. Think about that. God doesn't only want you blessed. He wants you to leave an inherit. 
so that, you so that your ceiling is your children's floor. Why do you think the Jews are the richest people? They said it, car. They got the four corners. I could go on and on about that, but I'll, I'll, I'll move quickly. Three. Did I do three? Four. After the fourth, there's one more tithe. Say, Lord, have mercy. The Lord says every third year in Deuteronomy, but every third of your tithe, give it to the poor. So in other words, if I get paid by month, if I get paid monthly, January and February, I pay my tithe to me 10%. March tithe, I give to the poor. My tithe. Then I tithe to myself to more than I give mine to the poor. So I get in a cycle of doing justice, giving to the poor. According to Proverbs 19, 17, it says, He who has pity or gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Hello? Lends to the Lord and he will pay back. And may I just testify, he's got a great interest plan. Because he never pays you back just what you gave. He says something like this. He says, you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Men will give with your gift to your bosom. What you give the poor with your hand, you'll have to take it back with your whole bosom. Why? God loves it when you do justice and serve the poor and make sure that people eat and people are fed and the poor are served. We are tikkun alam to repair the world in Jesus' name name but most of us never get there because we never start with the teruma we never get to the tithe and we definitely don't get to our tithe and then we definitely don't get to serve the poor can you imagine if your family if you started living like this what your family alone outside the church could do for the poor just on your wealth. Wow. Can I go with you real quick? Let's get back to the field. Next. Ah, thanks. This is just pure mathematics. If you take a square and put a circle in the middle of the square, no matter what size the square is, the circle will always be 79% of the square. All right? That's just mathematics. So when God said, here's the way I want you to set a car. Here's the way I want you to live righteously. I want you not to consume all your corners. I want you to leave your corners and live on 79% and leave your corners. And this, this really got me. Check this out. If you start, let's just use thousand for for simple math, and give Taruma, that's twenty five dollars. That leaves you nine seventy five. That's what you tithe on. You give the Lord's tithe ninety eight dollars or ninety seven fifty cent, unless you're stingy, then it's ninety eight dollars. And then it's <laughs> right. I mean, fifty cent. That's the whole evil eye thing. Lord's tithe ninety eight dollars. That leaves you eight seventy seven. You, send, you pay your tithe, $88, that leaves you $789, which is 79% of $1,000. How wise is our God? Now, what's he wanting to get out of all this? Where's he wanting to take you to? Look at this. Next slide, last slide. I have been young. 
and now I am old. Got that? I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous, Sadak. I've never seen Sadak forsaken. I've never seen a righteous man forsaken. That's not a righteous man who's morally righteous. That's not a righteous man who is even... I don't want to say that because I don't want to push, push back on you too much. We'll save that for next week. When I'm talking about a righteous man, a man who does righteous, not a man who is righteous or acts righteous. Are you following me? In other words, not a pious man, a prayerful man even, but a man who believes in justice and mercy and serves the poor and has a loving, generous spirit, especially to those who are outside of ourselves. That's what the Bible says a righteous man is. I've never seen that kind of man forsaken nor his children begging for bread. Why? He is ever merciful. Translated, Sedekah. Why? He lends and gives and his descendants are blessed. What's it saying? If you, Sedeks, will live Sedekah, God will so bless you that not only all of your needs will be met, but you will leave a wealthy inheritance to your children and you will never see them begging for bread because you're so blessed in the earth that not only you are blessed, your children are blessed, your children's children, my God, your children's children are blessed and your children's children's children are blessed. This is God's plan for us. Sedekah. Seek first his sedekah, his righteousness. Now, I know, realize everybody can't jump out today and like, who oh, I'm in, draw my circle in my square. Aren't you glad God's gracious? But everybody in the room can taruma. That's just quit soda. That's just four packs a week instead of three or five. That's just laying down a little bit. Everybody can taruma, and God knows that. Why? The taruma is the most important thing. Because once you start seeking him first, then he starts doing things supernatural. I'm, I'm talking about being blessed with no supernatural help. And God knows when you start taking care of the poor and doing justice to those who are without justice, you know what God does on that part of it. So I'm not talking about any supernatural stuff. I'm just talking about pure wisdom from God of how to live. Sedekah, righteousness. Teruma prepares you to, for the Lord's tithe, which prepares you for your tithe which prepares you to serve the poor, which prepares you to be a wealthy person in the earth, leaving behind an inheritance, ensuring that your children's children. A curse goes to the third and fourth generation, but a blessing goes to a... Th we think too short-term as Christians. Jews think 10,000 years from now. You say, well, Jesus is coming back soon. Well, that's not good financial advice. <laughs> if you're basing your financial stability on Jesus coming back soon and taking care of your debt, 
you're probably going into tribulation. That's not a financial plan. God's wisdom is a financial plan. See, we've lived under a false theology that people have told us that this earth is going to hell in the handbasket. That's not true. God called me and you as transformational agents to say, not let thy kingdom go, let thy kingdom come. The king Melchizedek is the king of righteousness and he's, king, and he's actually king of Salem. Salem means peace. His king, he's a king of righteousness and his kingdom is a kingdom of shalom. Peace, well-being. Can you dream with me for 60 seconds before we leave today? Can you, what in the world could happen in your life and in my life, in our church's life, if we begin to set a car? If we begin to say, Lord, my goal is to live a circle in my square. And be a blessed person in the earth so that I can see your kingdom come, your will be done, and see justice and mercy provided for people all over the earth because of our efforts. I don't know about you, but I, and I know this is a teaching. I'm more of a preacher, but this is kind of a treaching. But, but this treaching I've been giving you, and, and it took me, I don't, I don't expect you to get it all today. I'd like for you to relook at this because it took me, I, I preached it to several of, of these guys first, and, you know, and then I, I know it's just I'm giving it to you for the first time, but if, I hope I've painted you to a, a pretty clear picture. And, and, it's, and it's no difference than, what's the, what's the financial guy? Dave Ramsey, if you took his teaching and laid it over the Zedekiah, it'd probably be just a perfect picture. He says the same thing. Pay, pay God, then pay yourself. And then do for others. But not charity, justice. How cool would it be to not live paycheck to paycheck? Look, I've, I've lived paycheck to paycheck with this much money, and I've lived paycheck to paycheck with this much money. It's still paycheck to paycheck. Because our culture seems the more you make, the more you learn how to consume it. It's a terrible way to live. We can't do God's will. We can't take care of the poor. We can't send people around the world to preach the gospel. We can't send mission teams. We can't do this because we're consuming everything we have and living outside. We are cursed with a curse. Even a whole nation. God says, return unto me in my way and watch. I'll return unto you. And you'll be like a people who live such a life that people will say about you, they live under an open heaven that's getting poured out blessings that they don't even have room enough to receive. Moses said when they left Egypt, Moses took, the first thing Moses did in the wilderness, he took an offering, and the people brought offering, and Moses stood up and he said, please, don't bring any more stuff. We got more money and more stuff than we know what to do with. How many TV preachers you seen recently saying, please, don't send any more money to my ministry. Find somebody else to send it to. I got more cash and I know what to do. What church do you know that would stand up and say, could y'all hold on to your tithe for a while? We just, we got so much going on right here. We're trying to find other banks right now. Well, if everybody here got wealthy, 
What in the world could happen? We don't want this church to be wealthy. We want you to be wealthy. Why? Because we know if with wealth, you can change the world. It takes it to get the job done. Deuteronomy 8 says, I'll give you power to get wealth. That you might establish my covenant in the earth. His sedekah, his righteousness. Poverty is not a problem that's not supposed to be defeated. Jesus, people quote this and say, Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. In the same sentence, he said, I will not always be with you. Which one's right? So was he saying, I not, will not always be with you? Like sometimes you don't have him? No, he wasn't talking about that. He was making a gesture of, of I won't always be here with you. But, but, but what will happen is the poor will be here. Their need will be here to take care of. 52% of the world lived in poverty 20 years ago. Now it's 26%. It's been cut in half in 20 years. Only 26% left to go. And here's what, let me just end with this because now I'm meddling. But Everybody's worried about going to hell. The professor said 52 churches talked about going to hell, but no church talked about people that were already living in hell. People say, Kent, do you believe in hell? I'm not sure, but I can tell you how to get there. Luke 12 says there was a poor man outside the gate and a rich man who did nothing for the poor man and there was a gulf put between them. Luke 12 says there was a guy that had so much stuff instead of taking care of others he built bigger barns to store his stuff in and Jesus said you're a fool you're going to die tonight. And then Matthew 25 the big boy was where Jesus stood and he said at the end of the day you're on this side you're on that side and he said what are we doing on the right side he said I was hungry and you fed me I was naked and you clothed me I was in prison and you came to see me I was, I was hurting and you came and you healed me and he's going to say when did you do that to me how did we do that to you he said when you've done this to the least of those my brothers you have done it unto me he didn't say, have you prayed the sinner's prayer? He didn't say, did you belong to a church? He didn't say, were you Baptist or Catholic? He said, did you serve the poor? And did you make a difference in other people's lives? We need to get off our pompous selves and quit thinking we got it all because we're saved and we're going to heaven and nobody else is and not giving a rat's butt about those who are out there hurting this world and stand up and start sedekahing in this house. Jump on your feet with me whether you like me or not and let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Woo! Return unto me. And I'll return unto you. God's doing something big in our lives right now. God's wanting to turn some things around for us. And I'm telling you, we're going to live a blessed life in this house. Not saying you have to start immediately. Just to Ruma. Somebody say, holy to Ruma. Lord, have mercy. Just start with this very small, 22.5 cents on a dollar. $25 on a thousand. Lord, I'm going to sanctify my life with this to Lifting it up, putting it in the priest's hands. 
And I believe I'm going to get so blessed that then I can get in covenant with you. And then I believe I'm going to get so blessed that I'm going to personally begin to be able to establish my family of financial security for the future. And lastly, I'm going to be able to make a difference in the lives of the poor around the world. Can we, we got about two minutes. I, want, I like that song you're playing. Let's do it one time. Blessed, blessed. Give us a mic. Blessed, blessed. Come on, say it. we're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every stronghold, sickness and poverty must cease. Come on. Before the devil is defeated, we are blessed. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. Come on. It's gonna work in your favor. Yeah, yeah. Late, late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around and around and around and around and around. And we're blessed. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every strong sickness and poverty must cease. For the devil is defeated. We are blessed. Late in the midnight hour. God's gonna turn it around. You need a breakthrough to it's come on time. in your favor. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Late in the midnight hour. God's gonna turn it around and around and around and around. One more time, come on, bless. We're blessed in the sea. We're blessed We're blessed when we come, when we go. I received that today, don't you? Father, you said we'd be blessed coming in and we'd be blessed going out. So, Father, we thank you that as we set at cause, we set our heart to seek you first and your righteousness that you are going to move supernatural in our lives and literally transform us into a whole nother mindset of how we think about our stuff and future and the world and everything that's around us. So Lord, we ask you for that spirit of righteousness to fall upon our hearts and our minds and our lives and move us forward in this season supernaturally to a place of prosperity. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Let's hear those shofars one more time. <laughs> if you've never, you never Taruma and you feel left to Taruma like James just did, you're welcome to lift it up and bring it down. We just want you to be blessed. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. <laughs>